Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. We do apologize for the dearth of content on this podcast feed of late. Of course, there has been so much exciting tennis that's unfolded across levels over these past eight weeks. You look for us here at CR. We went pretty much directly from the NCAA championships in May to the 2021 French Open. We then covered a hurried grass court season that, of course, culminated with the 2021 Wimbledon. But, of course, something else we like to do here at Crack Rackets beyond just covering all the action day in, day out. And I like to think we've done a pretty good job of doing that. And by the way, if any of you listeners have missed out on anything, you can find all of our content on our website, crackedrackets.com. But of course, something else we like to do is speak with the actors who help shape what we see unfold on court every day. That means the players, the coaches, the tournament directors that play such an influential role in the tennis world. We have not spoken with as many as we would have liked of late, but rest assured we have a a fun queue of interviews we are now ready to release and share with all of you listeners. And that starts today with a conversation with the 2021 NCAA Division I men's singles and Division I team champ from the University of Florida, Sam Riffis, who joins the show once again to talk about his 2021 season, his team's run to the NCAA team championships, what it was like to negotiate all of the COVID protocols, how those protocols brought his team closer together. And then, of course, we highlight that run through NCAAs playing in front of that electric Orlando crowd, the run through individuals, how his body was feeling. And then, of course, the pro opportunities that now open up for him with all of the success he's had here in 2021. It is a fantastic conversation. I know I say this about all of our guests. I've kind of got, I suppose, kind of close with Sam. I like to think we're friends at this point, but I'm such a fan of his. You can understand why he's had the success he has had. Just His maturity bleeds through within the first 30 seconds of the podcast. So I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy today's conversation. Of course, the reason we were able to do this day in, day out is because of the support we get from all of you, from our Crack Rackets Patreon family, and of course, from our friends over at Turn of Tennis. You guys already know Turn of Tennis is the best grip in the business. So I will simply say you can contact Contact our friends at Turner to get discounted college pricing, some free samples as well, by contacting them at sales at uniquesports.com or calling 800-554-3707. Again, you mentioned Crack Racket sent you. They will hook you up with discounted pricing, hook you up with some free samples. Most importantly, treat you like family. Contact sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707 to join the Turner Tennis family today. But with that said... Let's get to today's interview. We are joined by the University of Florida, Sam Riffis. West off, roll it. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Joining us on the podcast today, the 2021 NCAA Division I Men's Singles and Team Champion from the University of Florida, it's friend of the program, Sam Riffis. Sam, welcome back to the show. Congratulations on the titles. How are you feeling, my friend? Thank you very much, Alex. Uh, Thank you for having me on. I'm feeling pretty good. Thank you. 
Yeah, there's a lot for us to discuss on today's podcast, but the place I have to start, listeners may have heard me share this story already, but now that I have you here, I can ask you about it. At the end of the team event, I had to switch hotels, and you and I happened to be at the same one, and I saw you in the lobby the day of the championship final. And for listeners who don't know, it was like 95 degrees, probably felt like 120 on court. <laughs> Yet for your morning breakfast, Sam, you are drinking milk. How does a human drink milk before playing in a 112-degree temperature? Oh, man, that's a great question. Uh, I don't know. I feel like on the days where you're the big matches, you got to do whatever's comfortable. doesn't matter if it's a little bit against what you probably should do because – you know, you get a little nervous. It's hard to eat. So whatever you can get down, you get down for fuel. <laughs> no, I'll t- uh, that might be your most impressive athletic accomplishment, that you can do <laughs> that, then go play three sets in that heat. It was super, super impressive. And obviously, that gets us into your time in Orlando, which is where I want to start. Now, knowing you like I do, you want to start with the team championship, which is the obvious goal for you entering this 2021 season. All of your Gator team, minus Oliver Crawford, comes back, and you're a team that in 2019 made the semifinals before losing to the eventual champions in Texas. And in 2020, you know, your team didn't get off to the start you guys wanted. You guys lose that opening match at home in a rematch to that Texas team. You probably don't have the national indoor performance you guys were wanting. So with all of that said that context leading into this championship how gratifying was it to get over that finish line to end up in the winner's circle yeah I mean it was it was a long season uh there were so many good teams I thought this year because of kind of the fifth year transfers and some guys really loading up with a lot of good talent um and then especially with the SEC being so tough with so many good competitive teams to go undefeated in conference was huge for us. I mean, something that really kind of have to really gear up for because the SEC is no joke. And you go every match, especially the ones on the road, and these teams, there's so much rivalry. Um, so to get that done, to get an undefeated season was huge. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, just since you bring it up, you talk about that rivalry. It, this year, perhaps more than previous years, and I know in the past it's been a Mississippi State or a Texas A&M or even this Tennessee team that gave you guys troubles in 2019, that rivalry to have them pushing you all season as well. I mean, how helpful is that when you show up to the NCAAs? And as you mentioned, you know, there are 16 teams that can all legitimately win the title. Yeah. No, it's huge. That's what our coach was always stressing, um, that early on in the season or middle of the season, it's all about getting those competitive matches. You don't want to roll through every match 7-0 because then you get to NCAs and you play these teams that bring their best stuff and you're going to get blindsided. You want to have those matches like we had against Texas in the first couple weeks. The match also that we had against Tennessee in the SEC tournament where uh, we lost two heartbreakers. Um, and I personally lost both matches also um, in those tournaments. So uh, to get that level of competitiveness and you go into NCAs and you're ready for anything. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And, you know, again, I want to talk about some individual matches as well, but all of the COVID stuff you had to deal with this year, it was a season unlike any other. And you talk about the presence of the fifth years to get Joe back and to be able to bring back your entire team and then add, you know, a bend to the mix as well. You know, what was that process like in the off season? Obviously you lose Oliver, but you bring back everyone else. And then, you know, given all of the regulations, I'm sure you guys had to hang out with each other perhaps even more than you would in a normal season, just because you're not allowed to do everything else. And so, you know, what was it like to negotiate all of those things? And ultimately, do you think it might've actually brought your team closer together? Yeah, absolutely. We, six of us were living together in one place and then, uh, the rest of the guys, there was kind of like two groups of two, but our team was so close. I we were so I was so lucky to be on a team like that because any one of the, I think we had ten guys. Any one of the ten guys I'd go to dinner, have a great time with. We're all best friends. Um, so being in that situation where you have to, you don't have a choice. You have to spend pretty much all your time with the team. I feel like we were super lucky because everyone got along so well. Um, we had such great friendships. Um, it made it easy for us almost because we were going to be spending all of our time with each other anyway, even if there was no COVID. 
run me through the house of six. I need to know what's the arrangement. Who's the neat one? Who's the messy one? Who's buying the groceries? What's yeah. it look like? Yeah. The, so it's an apartment building that was just created this past year. We were the first residents and it was apartment of seven. We had, um, we were supposed to be, so Joe obviously wasn't supposed to be there because he was supposed to graduate because we signed the lease before COVID. And we had two twin brothers that tra- ended up transferring. So they, they ended up dropping out and Johannes ended up getting one of their spots. And then the seventh spot was a random guy that none of us knew. Uh, <laughs> so that one, that was a little weird. He, he kind of did his own thing. But so it was me, Duarte, Andy, Lucas, Johannes, and Josh Puger sharing. And by far, Lucas is the dirtiest. I, uh, <laughs> I shared a bathroom with him and. Yeah, it's. I mean, I've lived with them three years, and t- next year is going to be the fourth. So, it's it's something to to behold with how, because you see him play on the court. He's like a surgeon. He's so <laughs> he doesn't show any emotion, nothing. And then you go to his bedroom, and it's it's a little it's a little messy, but yeah. And, and how well he takes care of school and all of his different things. He's yeah, it's it's pretty cool that he's able to balance that. But it's the one vice you see those blonde hairs and you're like, that's not mine. Like you're like, Lucas, like, I know that's not mine, dude. Like, come on, man. Yeah. It's, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. And I mean, everyone else was good. Yeah. They, they were clean. They were fun to be with. There's always something going on in the apartment and it's a two story apartment too. It was really cool. A little place to live. And, um, but yeah, it was fun. I was, I was glad to live with all those guys and cause we were stuck inside so much. We had a lot going on. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I feel like that seventh guy might actually be the secret reason you all won the title. Like we, I need to do a full profile on this seventh roommate. And, you know, again, God, hopefully he didn't have to go through all the COVID testing you guys did as well. Cause poor soul just getting trapped in that environment. But <laughs> no, again, for you guys, because in the fall, the SEC, you guys were one of the few conferences that were able to compete. And, you know, you have all of the talent on your roster, and I'm sure it gets difficult playing against one another each and every day because you have all the friendships and the competitiveness that comes uh, along with that. And so to be able to go play other teams, to be able to get out there in the fall, you talked about how important it is to have competition in the regular season, but with all of the talent you guys had coming back, how important was it to get out there in the fall as well? Yeah, that was huge. That was huge. Um, to be able to have those, they were, I mean, they were basically dual matches. We got almost a whole season against a whole conference season against other SEC teams, and it was 10 on 10, whatever it was where we were all playing. That was huge. Uh, to kind of have that in the schedule where we would be training for that, not just training for two months at a time, but we were training for two or three weeks to get ready for our dual matches against Georgia, against Mississippi State, and against these great teams. Um that was huge. That that made a big difference going into the season, for sure. Mm-hmm. If you never have to do a Zoom conference again, are you fine with it? Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> I was. I actually had a crazy uh, last semester. I was taking American Sign Language, uh, okay. four classes a week mandatory, and my professor was deaf. So the whole Zoom conference, you have to watch her signing, and mm-hmm. she'll like sign your name or something, and ask you a question in sign language. So you got to be paying attention. And like, if you don't know how something, she'll call you out in front of the class. So that was like, that was tough this year. That is fascinating. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so, yeah, you have to be watching because otherwise you're going to miss it. And yeah. so, yeah, no, that is, yeah, I can only imagine for you. But then, of course, we get into January and we find out there's going to be a full season in abbreviated national indoors. You guys are slated to head off to Texas to play that kickoff weekend. And, you know, pundits like me circle you guys as winners. It's a young, unproven Texas team. And, you know, little did we know they would be the four, three, you know, thieves that they were all season long. And they end up in the NCAA semifinals. And, you know, I'm curious for you guys going that weekend, taking a four, three loss, uh, you know, you personally took a loss in that match as well in singles. Was it one of those moments where you were like, you know, where you, found yourselves flat-footed or do you come up out of that match thinking man like this texas team is really good yeah i mean they were they were solid one through six they competed as good as any team out there but i mean we went to we went to do the kickoff and we played uh university of arizona who had in a really good year they're a tough team too 
And after that match, I'm like, geez, is everyone in college has just picked up their level. Because, I mean, they're, I mean, they haven't been known for being a great tennis school, but these past couple of years, they've really picked up the program. They have some great players. So I thought we were ready to go in against Texas. Um, we had it like that solid match before. So we, I mean, it wasn't like we were caught flat-footed. They just went out there and they beat us. Um, me and Duarte definitely, I don't think, played our best. But Elliot had an incredible season. Uh, Woldeeb is a great player. Really tough to play. Um, and, yeah, I give them credit. We took the dubs point, which I don't think we've done before against them. And then they came back and kicked our butts. And, yeah, I had the chance to win it for the team, and I wasn't able to do it. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think there are some sneaky good rivalries right now in college tennis. You guys are involved in a couple of them. It's you guys, Tennessee, and you guys, Texas. Like, I think those yeah. are matchups we're going to see played out repeatedly uh, over the course of the next few seasons. And then, you know, from that Texas match, you guys run the gauntlet again. You go undefeated in the SEC regular season. You beat, you know, top 10 teams in Texas A&M, in Tennessee. And, you know, you guys had similar experiences Back in 2019, you did the exact same thing, as a matter of fact. You go undefeated in the SEC season. And, you know, for you guys to have everyone essentially back from that team, did you treat this year's undefeated run differently at all? Uh, You know, was there a a perspective you guys were perhaps able to keep? And, I mean, certainly conference tournament, I'm sure that loss to Tennessee helps. But, I don't know, it's back-to-back undefeated seasons. That's obviously remarkable. Was there a difference at all between the two years? I mean, it was almost uh, identical to the 2019 season because we we win the conference undefeated and then we lose to Tennessee in the SEC tournament uh, in like a similar match where it's really, really close. I mean, obviously the match this year is one of the craziest college matches ever, but uh, similar, like it's a really close match. So it's almost the same season. It's just, I think everyone grew a lot. Uh, Me especially, I felt like in the tournament in 2019, I wasn't able to play my best tennis. I got destroyed by Ito. But to come back in 2021 and have everyone there, they've got a lot of wisdom. Uh, they got a lot of matches under their belt. And same thing for the coaches because that was the best season Florida's ever had in 2019. So mm-hmm. I think it's just having that experience. It's, it makes a huge difference in college tennis. Mm-hmm. And for you guys as well. You know, it helps when two of your players are undefeated in singles. And you had that in Blaze and, and in uh, Goodyear. And, you know, I had a coach tell me, and I, I won't say who, that, that at the end of the season they thought that you should be playing three, that it should go Duarte one, Blaze two, and yourself three. And that just speaks to – and then, you know, you go on to win the NCAA title. But that speaks to the sort of depth you guys have. And, you know, again, you, Duarte, Andy – you three had seen everything, and yeah. so that top three on paper, it's going to compete with anyone. But to have Blaze undefeated, to have Josh undefeated, are you guys just laughing in practice, or are they kicking your asses as well? No, I mean, I everyone on the team kicks my butt in practice. It's, <laughs> it's insane. I lose to Duarte probably six out of seven times we play. Blaze kicks my butt all the time. Like, if I don't bring my A game, he's kicking my butt. Ben beats me all the time. Josh beats me all the time. Andy. So it's, I mean, Lucas too. And it's it's such a great team to be on because you have Josh playing six who played top two at Tulsa. And, I mean, I was just talking to Patrick Hipson the other day, and Patrick beat him like 6-4 in the third when he was at Texas A&M. So he can really, really play. And it just, it really makes me, Duarte, and Andy's life easy because even if we lose the Dubs point, we know – four, five, and six, they're going to win almost every match. Ben lost like three matches all year. So we know if the three of us, if we can get one or if we get two, we're pretty much guaranteed to win. Or we were guaranteed to win because Josh and Blaze didn't lose. So it just makes our lives so much easier at the top three spots. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I can only imagine what that's like. And yeah, it's just fun watching Blaze slam forehands. Like I, yeah. it's, always enjoyable and josh too i mean god to have that at six you're just like it's a joke and you know again you guys also you mentioned it you add ben into the mix as well and i think you know one of the i mean obviously 
the amount of times you hear the question to Coach Shelton, like, oh, to win it with your son, Ben, to have him clinch. I don't need to hear that question anymore. But to incorporate Ben into the mix and to have that dynamic now of the father-son coaching duo, again, it just speaks to, you know, a wise coach once said, it's it's not the team with the most talent. It's the closest team that ends up winning the national championship. By every metric on paper, the, the actual literal father-son dynamic you have on your roster it felt like that's what that comes down to, and so I'm curious how that dynamic gets tested after a match like that Tennessee Conference Final, which, as you mentioned, one of the most memorable matches we've seen in the 21st century in college tennis. How do you guys bounce back from that, you know, recover heading into the team event? Yeah, that yeah, it's definitely was a tough one. That was a long, long trip home. I don't know if you heard, but we after that match, we get on the plane. Oh, I heard. You heard that? And <laughs> I think because Andy got clinched on by Prada and uh, what's his name? Uh, Walton is sitting right next to Andy with the trophy. <laughs> on the plane, right? On, Didn't mean to cut plane. you off. Yeah. So you guys plane. are headed back from, where was it this year? Alabama? Uh, it was in Arkansas. And so so run me through this. You get to the airport. You and go through security. Do you we'll, see them immediately? We we go to the airport, and we're checking bags, and we're both in line, both teams. And they're <laughs> holding a trophy. They have the shirts on. They have the hats on. They're still going nuts. And then we get on the plane and to Atlanta for the connection. And, yeah, it's Walton holding a trophy right next to Andy. <laughs> <laughs> and there wasn't a brawl. We can report no brawl. No. I mean, they're, they're – a lot of nice guys on that team that yeah. we all are not like Walton's a great guy. I mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know him like that well, but I just know like from his reputation, he's a really nice guy. And, and Prada and Duarte are friends from Portugal. So they have a lot of nice guys. They're great competitors. That's all it is. And we just bring out the best from each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so again, having that best in mind, you guys head into the NCAA championships yeah. and, you know, you guys play, I believe, opening weekend at South Alabama, USF. You get through those relatively comfortably and you qualify for the final 16 in Orlando. Now, because you guys were the number one seeds, you guys were always the night match. And when I say you probably averaged 1030 p.m. starts in each of your matches like I may be underselling it and for the record I still hold resentment towards all of you because I didn't I lost like 15 (laughs) pounds that week I was down to 162 it was like I'm 6'2 162 I do not like I was like oh my am I an American psycho like I'm Christian Bale here um but the point being those late matches, I watched you warm up, go back into the locker room, warm up again. Oh, now the rain's coming. Let's go warm up again. All of that different adversity. What's it like from your perspective dealing with all that stuff? What are the conversations like in the locker room? Yeah, that was crazy. That was a really crazy couple matches, and I didn't sleep much either. Um, <laughs> I don't think anyone did because the next morning, coaches had us out there practicing at like 10 a.m., so yeah, I don't think any great. of us slept that much, but – I think it all comes down to like our fans. I could not believe that not there wasn't like one fan that left. And even after rain delays, it's like past midnight, several matches, and no one leaves. They all stay the whole time, and they're going crazy. And I think that's the difference. We because we lost the Doves point and uh, a couple of those, and then to come back and close first sets and we end up winning all the singles but the fans stay there the whole time the whole three hour plus and they're there i mean they get there early so they're sitting up in the stands for like six hours they're they're there with us the whole time and it's i mean it's hard to lose when you have that much support Mm -hmm. let me just say they were well lubricated as well those fans were ready to (laughs) rock and roll but um... they they started their day early and they finished late (laughs) They also got up practicing at 10, yeah. and they're like, let me just make sure this works. Um, yeah. But no, So you bring up the crowd. We can get into the final now because, again, the Illinois match, ridiculously fun. The Texas yeah. A&M match, I know it was a 4-1 scoreline, far, far closer than that, uh, than that in reality. You had Vashro and Duarte coming down to a third. You had Juan Carlos Aguilar coming back against Andy at three. That match got super, super close, but... You talk about that final. 
full crowd. Bleachers are packed, top to bottom, left to right. It is standing room only in that crowd. And, you know, the energy was electric. And you could feel it from start to finish. And it was a super late start because the women's final went as long as it did. And you could tell the crowd was super amped up because of that women's final and how excited it was. You guys dropped doubles point, And yet after that, felt like everything broke your way. The momentum, the crowd, all of it. I mean... It's a stupid question, but did the crowd win you that match? Because not to be rude, but like from my perspective, it just felt like once you guys had the momentum, you had the crowd, you weren't losing. Yeah. I mean, I give Baylor credit. They had some good fans there too. There's a dude in a bear costume behind my court, like <laughs> going berserk. I couldn't believe it, but uh, absolutely. Yeah. The, the crowd made that happen. It's just even at the end, like you think, they're all be exhausted. We're exhausted. And they're just, they're going the craziest they've gone the whole tournament. Every point. Like I look over, I think, Oh, Andy must've broke or something. Nope. 15 love. Like <laughs> it's just insane. The amount of love they had for us and uh, what we had for them and just fe- feeding off each other. Yeah. That was a tough one. Losing Cause we got worked in the doubles. And then I think a couple of, like a couple of us were down in the first. And then, yeah, once we picked it up and rode that momentum and, I think three of our matches, what, finished within like five minutes of each other to go up 3-1 from 1-0 down, and then Ben to clinch it. Yeah, that was that was a great match. No, I, I'm pretty – didn't you guys – it was the 3-3 split in first sets, I want to say, because I think Nick won his, Charlie won his, and then Adrian ended up winning his, and yet it not for one moment during the match did it felt like Baylor had control after the doubles. And, yeah, you mentioned it, you – uh, Josh and Andy all clinch within moments of each other and it's a 3-1 lead and it comes down to Ben and you know ultimately he's able to deliver that championship and again in that moment everything you guys have gone through since you stepped on campus in, at Florida it's felt like you guys have had the ingredients you've had the team you get over the finish line what's that moment like you have to play an individual tournament 12 <laughs> hours later just what what do the next 24 hours look like for you? uh yeah that was that was crazy um yeah and then again none of the fans left after the match for a full hour uh the whole speech ceremony just some of the people that came some of the administrators and athletic director and then numerous alumni that played on the team that flew in drove in did stopped everything they were doing to come uh coach perlman knows everyone in college tennis he had a bunch of former players come out and support and yeah just to look up and to see so many people that love florida gators to be there and to share that with us to give the school a tennis title that never has had one in men's tennis is yeah it's it's hard to put into words it was really something special Mm -hmm. now i'm not trying to compare the two but for my scale, for my life, 2017, Club Tennis National Champs, go blue, baby. Um, and the point being, when you have, you have something cool happen in your life like that, you're going to get hundreds of texts. And for you in particular, I'm sure it literally was hundreds of texts. And at that point, you're picking and choosing who you're responding to, right? You're going to get back yeah. to everyone eventually, but you got to make choices in the moment. <laughs> outside of the family, outside of CeCe, obviously, Who's the first person you're responding to? What's the first call you take? You know, who was it? I'm sure Oliver's got to be in the first five. Yeah, Oliver, he sent a quick one, but then he gave me and Duarte a call the next day to kind of go a little more in depth because he knows what's going on. Um, Yeah, I was lucky. My family was there. Cece was there. My parents, both my brothers. So I saw them right away. And then I don't, I didn't look at my phone for like two hours afterwards because I had to do like some of the press stuff and everything. But I think my just there were so many people that every single match for the whole week, they were texting me like it's crazy. But like people I've stayed with in housing at Futures, there's some of like my closest friends and the parents or if they have uh, kids that I've grown to meet. They're some of my closest friends. Those are the first people I talked to that kind of opened up their home to me. And then my extended family, like my cousins and aunts back home in California, just those people first, for sure. Mm -hmm. 
That's why, again, that's the correct answer. But now the fun answer, who's the who's the, the cool – the one you got a text from, you're like, no way. Like, that's hilarious that this person said congratulations. Oh, man. Um, let's see. There have to be a couple, right? Yeah. Gosh, I can't think of one right now. But I, I mean, like, Yvonne Lindell sent me a text. I hadn't talked to him in a long time. <laughs> And he reached out about everything. That was really nice. I hadn't talked to him in a while. But that was probably, like, one of the coolest. But pretty much everyone I've ever known that <laughs> has kind of been following tennis or following stuff I've been doing in college, everyone. So mm-hmm. I was I was so lucky that so many people care about what I'm doing. And they, mm-hmm. they take the time to reach out. Mm-hmm. No, it's super, super cool. And then obviously, as we've discussed, 16 hours later after that press conference which was like 2 30 and clearly you were still fired up entering the individual event you talk about that competition in practice my highlight of the post-match presser i ask you you know are you you know you look at your lineup all these things you coming back you look at the lineup how are you feeling um and you go well i don't think my spot is guaranteed do you think after an ncaa individual title which obviously we'll talk about the specifics now that spot is guaranteed you're feeling a little I, bit more confident post presser post everything that is like playing <laughs> top two in the lineup i didn't mean like overall singles lineup like <laughs> guaranteed i meant like playing at the top but i i really i don't know i mean i i hope it's it's top two again but like like I said, everyone everyone on the team can se- play some serious ball, and like Ben can play some serious stuff. Blaze, like I don't know how you don't move him up, and then Andy is like, he's a top five or six hundred ATP player for sure right now, like, and everything he's doing. So, yeah, it definitely gives me some cushion if I have some bad practices, but uh, <laughs> I still got to perform for sure. No, no deny that. No, it's just too easy. I had to, you know, take my easy shot. But first of all, as a former Wolverine, let me just say it'll be Seymour one and then all of you competing for the five spots. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I'm pumped to have Seymour come. It's going to be fun. No, no doubt about that. But again, that NCAA individual run, you play you know, uh, first of all, it's the fact that you guys were playing till 2 a.m. every day. It's not like you were the morning match and then you played one night match. It was night after night after night, barely any recovery. And then you go right into an NTA individual event where your very first match is a guy in Nate Ponwith who's as dangerous as anyone in the draw. And he goes up big on you. He's up a set. He's up a... I don't think it was a set in five... Was it a set in 5-2? I want to say it was something no, like that. He... He was up 5-0 in the first, then it was 6-1, and then I think I held at deuce four games in a row, and I didn't have That's to break was. point on his serve. Yeah, and yeah. so, again, that match, I feel like that first match had to be the most difficult one, right? The hangover from the team event, just physically how you're feeling. How do you get through that event, and then you play two three-setters in your first two, round, yeah. uh, first two rounds again? What are those early rounds like? Yeah, those are rough. I uh, Those are really rough. I I mean, Paul Nate is a really good player. He, I think he was – was he most improved of the year? I think so, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, he was a great player. Um, he's got some serious firepower. And I came out – I like. I didn't feel that bad. It's just every ball I hit, like I didn't know where it was going. And I would like <laughs> – I'd set up and I'd hit and it would just go bottom of the net or something. Like, But physically I felt okay still. I think it hadn't hit me yet. And I just – I feel like like at that point you're so like so battle hardened from competing in those big moments with at two AM with the crazy crowd and everything. You're just like so mentally tough and that's the only reason I won those first two rounds is because in the big points like five all deuce or the deuce points, I was just I would come up with something special. And the rest of the match I didn't do a lot of great stuff, but I did just enough to get to those big points and then take those big points. Just from being so mentally tough, I think. There were some approach volley combos you hit where it was just like, I'm either hitting this first volley for a winner or I am losing the point. And you made the volley just routinely throughout the week. It was so impressive. And then, you know, again, round of 16, you play Sifo Monsi, who you didn't get to finish against in your dual match against Illinois. That was a really fun tiebreaker first set uh, that you ended up taking. You beat him 2-0. And then the next match, you get an, uh, an SEC phone. You get SEC foes the rest of the way in Vashro, Draxel, Rodriguez down the home stretch. Again, when you look back at all of those matches, and I'll ask you about the Rodriguez one momentarily, but Draxel in particular, 
physically, the way he pushes you, and you had a big lead in that first set. He ends up working his way back. The tiebreaker's super close. You end up coming through in the end. At any point, again, what's your body feeling like? Like, this is, what, ten, uh, seven matches in seven days? Like, I just, it, it's super, super impressive from the outside. I can only imagine how big a struggle it is from your perspective. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was, Draxel's the warrior. I mean, that dude is so physical. Like, there's points, like, because I watch him play all the time. I'm always watching his matches because he's winning so much. So I, whenever he's playing like a good opponent, SEC or something, I'll turn tune it on and watch. And just time and time again, I see him just win insane points to get back in the match. Like he's down a break, the guy's serving. He wins like an absolutely insane point where the guy has like 14 overheads on top of the net and draft is grinding. And I was like, all right, there's no way this is happening to me. And then I'm up 5-4 serving. 30 off, overhead on top of the point, two in a row. I lose the point somehow. He gets like two lobs on the baseline. And then another ridiculous point, he like passes me to break. And I'm just like, all right, it happened to me. Like, I didn't <laughs> think it would, but it did. And he just, he's got some magic. Um, and then I just, I just fully committed to standing on top of the baseline and taking every single ball, hitting it off the court and coming to the net. And I just caught fire in the third set. Um, and when you're playing like that, you, you can't really get tired because you're just taking so many first cuts and just the points were short because I was just fully committed and I I just caught some serious fire at the end. Mm-hmm. No, and again, we can do a separate pod months from now talking about your game and, you know, again, you do a little bit of everything. I like to think the better the opponent, the better the Sam Riffis. And sincerely, it's because, you know, the bigger they hit, the bigger you can hit. They're going to play a little bit more passive. Okay, you can do that as well. You'll start taking the ball early like you did against Drax. So again, I can save all of those thoughts. For, I'll write a I'll write a 10-point PowerPoint presentation. I'll send it to you. Um, but, you know, you, you've talked about confidence and playing a Draxel. You need to have confidence. You need to have gumption. Like, you need to have balls because you're going to come to the net. He's going to put the pass on your body, and you have to put it away. And I'm just curious. At that point, you've won, what, six consecutive matches or seven or whatever it is. How much of that match, you know, in those biggest stages, because you can all hit the ball extraordinarily well, how big is that confidence? Is that the difference maker? Yeah, it's huge because a guy like Draxler that has that speed and that level of intangibles – and, I mean, he can serve big, too, and he can crack winners from the baseline if you give him time. Um, but a guy like that that is going to make you play, like, 95% of the time, and then half of that time is balls at your shoelaces, you have to be confident. You have to – because if you do to second guess, you split second off when you're coming forward, he's going to pass you 100%. If you're not closing hard, covering your spot, being fully committed, he's going to pass you or he's going to make you hit just, like, a tough ball and he pass you there. So you like that was just yeah a lot of confidence in my shots and I don't think I missed a volley in that whole third set and I was hitting some good ones so yeah it's just being fully committed to your game and having some some things fall your way. That is the sneaky thing about Drexel. He'll hit a one thirty bomb down the tee off yeah. the serve you know, and you're just like where is that bit? <laughs> you're like, yeah. Where did that come from? And so um, no absolutely and I feel like you mix I mean you always mix in a healthy amount of slice but I feel like you got to throw some junk at him right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta. He's so good at absorbing pace at um, working in the corners when you give him angles. So yeah, you gotta mix it up a little bit. Bring him up in the court, move him around, like just kind of yeah, just get him out of his rhythm a little bit because he's just so solid. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And then you know, of course, in the final, you get an SEC foe in Rodriguez. Huge serves, huge forehands coming at you. You know, you're gonna have to make quick decisions in that match. You drop the first set. You end up coming back. I know there's the time violation stuff, whatever, in the end of the third set. But at that point, again, I'm sure it's all adrenaline for you. What gets you through that match? You get over the finish line. You could see the relief in your body language. Is that just more like, thank God I don't have to play any more tennis? Or just, you know, again, what's going through your mind at that match? Yeah, I I mean, Daniel Rodriguez, we've had some battles over the years. Um, We played in the fall at one of those sec things he beat me like seven five in the third absolute war um and yeah he does a lot of things really well he he's improved a lot with his serve and his forehand and he came out and i thought he's gonna play a little more counter punching and wait for me to make errors but he came out hitting bombs ripping forehands 
he can hit his backhand really well too and caught me a little off guard and then i think um i just came out a little slow and i didn't really get into the match until down 5-0 in the first and i was able to get those three games and i think that is all the difference if i lose that first at 6-0 6-1 i think i go down early in the second too but i was able to like really scrap out two or three games and change the momentum and it was i think that was one of the hottest days um of the whole two or three weeks and it's all about getting up early in the sets because it's so hard to come back from that and so i just came out playing big in the second and just kind of rolled from there and then the third yeah third was absolute battle i thought he was done physically he looked like he was a little gassed in the second and i really thought he was done and he came out in the third playing like the first where big serve big forehands um when he had time really ripping the ball um and yeah i don't know that third set was just i was fortunate for sure again you drank milk before that match let's be clear here like it wasn't like oh i'll get my water in maybe some gatorade like no 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 no. give me straight you know i'm I'm pretty sure it was two percent i saw eat two not just skim like you're going straight two percent yeah i went that and then big latte a lot of caffeine (laughs) so i think i doubled up on it too hey look it's day nine do what you got to do at that point yeah yeah, no i was chain smoking cigarettes because i was like why not at this point uh no just kidding uh but uh no to to uh you know to put a bow on it something that perhaps you're not thinking about in the moment because we've talked about what it's meant to your program and obviously what it meant to put a bow on that 2021 season all you've gone through but now more likely than not you will have a wild card into the main draw of the 2021 U.S. Open. And if you need a hype man, you know where to find me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, you've got the healthy Riffis family. I don't think you lack for hype men. Um, you know, again, that in in the uh, – in, out in front of you, how does that change your summer plans? You uh, you get a wild card, I believe, into the Orlando Challenger. You make the semifinals there. You've made the semifinals at the 25K in Tulsa since as well. But you've got that, you know, big check mark or that big checkpoint looming now at the end of August. How does that change your summer plans? Yeah, that's, that's something that I'll really look forward to and covet that opportunity if I'm given it. I think I probably will, but it's not for sure yet, but I hope they – they maintain the tradition. I was gonna say, uh, I'm going to go ahead and report this now. No sourcing, but I'm going to go ahead and report that you're going to get the wild card. I'm okay. going to lock that in. All right. Yeah. I, yeah, it should be pretty much. Uh, but I just, yeah, I know I'm going to get a lot of great opportunities this summer, like Orlando getting a wild card. It's really incredible with how difficult it is to get into U.S. tournaments right now. It's a, it's a joke. So getting those opportunities and being able to capitalize on them is something that – I'm really trying to focus on this summer because I'm going to play a lot of big matches against a lot of players that are probably a level or two higher than me. So being able to be in those big moments and knowing I only have a few shots is something I got to prepare for. And uh, there's not a lot of tournaments this summer in the U.S. So just trying when I have my chances to play, just really going all out and trying to play free. Does it change your training at all to have to prepare for three out of five sets or do you really keep the same schedule? Because pro aspiration is something you always had in mind. So does it stay pretty constant? Uh, I mean, I'm trying like a few days a week to go like a three to four hour practice continuous, Um, like two days a week maybe where I'll do like an hour of kind of like individual stuff and then try to go like a two and a half hour practice with another guy. Um, so I'm out there for a while. Hopefully New York's not as bad as Orlando is right now. Cause it's still pretty rough <laughs> here, but yeah, I'm trying to just be out on the court as much as possible. Be, there's so many great guys to train with down here. So just try to work with those guys that are at a higher level than me and try to kind of train like they do and get in that environment is su- something that I'm super lucky to have it here at, at the campus. Mm-hmm. And I don't think physically, playing three hours, four hours of tennis is a struggle for you. But is it the focus, just being out there and staying locked in for a four-hour yeah. span? Yeah, it's it's definitely hard to focus because if I lose my mind at all, I'm, that's a set, basically, because yeah. you lose your serve or something. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to like focus a lot on my diet, like eating continuously while playing. Mm-hmm. That's always been tough for me because I just don't want to and. Yeah, doing that type of trying to do the little things right is makes a big difference in the long run. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And look, you're based in Orlando. You've talked openly about your pro aspirations before. You said you have living arrangements in Gainesville. I've asked you yeah. this question before, but you have an opportunity to play the U.S. Open, and you just made a semifinal at a challenger. And if you're able to, you know, there's not a lot of U.S. results. Are you playing carry? Yeah, I'm going to carry. I got to uh, be the main draw. Again, a well-deserved wild card. Let's be clear. Um, but uh, yeah, of course. No, what am I? You don't deserve it. That's what I'm going to say here. Hang up now. No, of course you do. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. But let's say you make another quarterfinal, semifinal there. You know, God willing, you win around at the U.S. Open. Now you've got serious points to play with. Now you look at your ranking, and it's a position where right now I believe you're 565. But if you're top 400, top 300 opportunities are just open to you and so is that something you keep in mind this summer i know you know again the plan is to return to florida but is it at least the return to florida but an open mind as well because anything could happen right yeah absolutely uh and the coaches are fully supportive of me there they give you that they talk to you honestly they say like coach shelton especially he says whatever your decision is i fully support you and i'll help you in any way i can either way and it's yeah i have one i have two semesters left to finish my degree um and i have i do have a lot of opportunities this summer and fall that i'll get to play at but right now i really don't want to leave school and be at a position in my ranking where i have to either rely on hopefully getting wild cards and challengers or play a full schedule of 25s which is very difficult to move up right now with the freezes and everyone like it's just low points and you got to do a lot of them and you got to do well in all of them and to move up even at all um so i i if i'm in a position where i could be playing like challengers regularly and not have to rely on hopefully getting a wild card for my you know my living relying on hopefully getting that so if i get in a position where my results speak for that then i'll definitely consider it um at the end of the summer or beginning of the fall or whenever it is if you win the U.S. Open, will you turn pro? If I win the U.S. Open, probably 90%. The Swamp <laughs> I mean, we, we got Bama in the Swamp this year in football. We're going to take them down. That's going to be hard to miss. Yeah, it's a good – hey, man, you can go watch it after the title. You can use your prize money to fly yourself down, stay wherever you want, buy out your lease. Um, yeah, and all these fun stuff. But no, of course, that makes complete sense. And, you know, you talk about the 25Ks. I'm sure you see the grind Oliver's going through right now and a guy who's yeah. killing it at the 25K level. But yeah. still, it's so hard to get into that top 400 with all of the freezes. So, no, of course, that is something we all look forward to. And, you know, again, I've gone overtime here. So my last question for you, as you play all of these pro events, as you look towards a potential – well, I, I guess I'm going to sneak in two more here. I apologize. But as you look towards, you know, again, next season, what are the things you are doing to improve your game, to improve yourself, whatever it may be, to be a better Sam Riffis in 2022. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's all about getting stronger, having when I have like the neutral ball, increasing my pace, increasing my physicality on that ball, being able to get in the corners and hit a big ball, not get bullied around, um, and to get a bigger serve because those are the things that matter on at the higher level. It's you can't rely on the other guy missing like sometimes you can in college where some guy might have a bigger weakness. The guys don't have that at the higher level. So you got to have weapons. So it's all about creating weapons with the serve, with the ground strokes coming forward, just continue and try to do that by getting physically stronger. That sounds like someone who played Ulysses Blanche and Chris Eubanks back to back. And (laughs) I want that serve. Like, how do I do that? Yeah. Uh, No, for sure. That's awesome. And then, you know, again, pro aspirations aside, you look at the roster you guys potentially could have coming back at Florida. Everyone, minus Joe, plus a CMAR. Perhaps there's some transfers in the work as well. We all hear things. Um, but, you know, that's a that's a strong carrot on the end of the stick for Coach Shelton, Coach Stump, to try and entice you to come back. And obviously they don't need to do that because it's clear anyone who's watched you play knows how much you enjoy competing with the Florida Gator on your chest. One championship is fun. You know it's really fun? two championships absolutely that carrot on the end of the stick how enticing is it absolutely and we get another freshman who just made finals of junior Wemby and abdullah shelba he's from he's coming to florida yeah he's going to florida he's coming in the fall 
Yeah. Well done. Yeah. So he's, I've heard a lot of great things about him. I've talked to him. He seems like a good guy. And then to have Seymour coming in, he's one of the best doubles players in the country and great singles player on top of that. Uh, and to have all the guys that I've had so many great memories with. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot to look forward to if, I mean, if, if I'm on the fence, if things are like iffy, I'm, I'm definitely going back to school. It's just if I have those great results. So it's nothing to look down on if I head back because I'm with some of my best friends and a lot of opportunity to get better in practice and, and matches. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree with you. And as a college fen- tennis fan, selfishly, I do hope you come back because <laughs> there's nothing more enjoyable than seeing that pursuit of excellence. Last two quick ones for you both on your coaches. Coach Shelton, such a well-polished man. You know, again, yeah. always buttoned up, always going to have the correct answer on the tip of his tongue, always going to deliver it eloquently as well. Locker room door closes. You just delivered him his first title at Florida. He becomes, I believe, the first coach to win both a men's and women's Division One team title. What's the emotion like on Coach Shelton's face? Again, what does this moment mean for you guys to deliver this for him? What does it mean to you all? Yeah, that's that's something that when I came in as a recruit and I was thinking of schools to go to, that's what a major thing that they were saying was we think – in the coming years, we're going to have the squad to win the school's first national title. And to have someone like Coach Shelton that works so hard, he works so hard and he does everything right. He treats everyone from one to line 11 with the same amount of respect, the same amount of hard work. Um, to get him that, to uh, put him kind of in like college coaching, he's already in college coaching Hall of Fame, but to put him at another level above that, is something that I'm really, really proud of. And it's one of like my favorite things that I've accomplished at Florida is helping him get that. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. He deserves it. And then on the flip side, his, I'd say this lovingly, lesser half. I say <laughs> that lovingly because I know he'll listen. Um, for Coach Tanner Stump, yeah. who works just as hard. And again, it's just a, one of, you're not going to find a better associate head coach in the country than Tanner. He, he's also though a quirky guy. I have to imagine he celebrates well. Yeah, he, he's yeah, he's. I can't say enough good words about Tanner. He works. Yeah. He works so hard. He he's always in his office. He's studying film. He films all of our matches and everything. He's always studying that. He always has little tips to help your game, whether it's um, tactically or with form, technique, um, and he. For a guy that went to Mississippi State, I always give him a hard time every time I play them. I'm like, ah, you didn't want us to win that one, did you? Uh, sorry about that. But he, for a guy that went to Mississippi State, he's a true Gator. He, mm-hmm. How much it meant to him, how much he's adopted being in Gainesville and living there with his family. Uh, yeah, to help him get that at such a young age. He's going to do incredible things as a college coach. He's going to get a lot accomplished. To get him that at such an early age is something really special too mm-hmm. also how seriously he took the warm-ups the two ball toss or whatever you guys call it was one of my highlights like he played on the day of the final and he was not losing he was like yeah. hey, i'm gonna cheat if i have to yeah he's he can't play tennis as much as he wants to just because of past injuries or something but he is the most competitive guy on our team by far like yeah. it doesn't matter what we're doing he gets the game face on and he will do anything to beat you like he'll sweep the knee he'll do anything (laughs) (laughs) he's a he's a great guy no one of my favorites and again the fact that he's an associate head coach you can understand why he would never want to leave florida but like to your point someday he's going to have his own program and they're going to be competing for everything and it's yeah and he's one of the best in the business and so again it makes sense that you guys have the success that you have but of course you know the coaches can do all of these things florida can provide all the resources in the world but championships are ultimately won by the players and you know there's no denying you you guys at florida earned it you didn't drop a singles point from the round of 16 on and you played exceptional tennis all year long and you know obviously from afar goes without saying sam but congratulations to you on your success well deserved and i think there's a lot more coming in the future thank you for taking the time to not only talk with me today but for dealing with all of my nonsense all year long it's very much appreciated so congrats to you man good luck this summer and uh, you know if you ever need anything there's always a spot open for you here yeah thank you very much i just want to say one more thing about uh 
our volunteer assistant, Coach Perlman. Um, oh, oh, who, I, by the way, I yeah. can't believe I left him out. Yeah, May have been the best of the celebrations. Yeah, he's he's an absolute legend. He's doing everything he's doing for free. I mean, like, it's incredible how hard he works on the court with the guys and the history he's had in college tennis to everything he's experienced with coaching pros, coaching college, all the different colleges he's been at to get him his first team title is kind of like one of the most special things I think I'll do in tennis because he's such a legend to the sport. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And it's the contrast between the three, Shelton, Stump, Perlman. Yeah. It's just like we've got all the bases covered. It's like yeah. we're good. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You need fire, you turn here. You need some love, you turn here. You need anything else, you turn here. But again, no, Sam, it, it's it, Florida's special things coming for the program. And honestly, even if you're gone – they're still in the mix. Like this team yeah. is locked and loaded for the future, but I'm sure college tennis fans hoping we get you back. Pro <laughs> tennis fans ready for you to come out on the circuit regardless. Yeah. Uh, good luck to you this summer, man. And, you know, again, take it, be safe, be healthy. We will chat with you again soon. Yeah, thank you, Alex. Thank you for all the attention you bring college tennis here. Great personality to have uh, supporting the sport. So thank you very much. Uh, those who can't do talk about it. So I appreciate <laughs> it. But no, yeah, take it easy, Sam, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, have a good one, Alex. Yep, take care. Bye. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with the University of Florida, Sam Riffis. Again, a huge congratulations to him, to Gator Nation, Coach Shelton, all of them on a successful 2021 season. Uh, I sincerely mean it when I say Sam's talent has always been evident on the court. He was one of the top juniors in the American junior scene. That success has translated to the collegiate ranks. I sincerely believe it'll translate to the pro ranks as well. So excited to see him compete this summer. And then, you know, from a personal perspective, obviously selfishly, hope we get him back in the college tennis world. On the other side, I hope he has enough pro success that he's ready to turn pro because certainly he's got the skills to do it. But again, a huge thank you to him for taking the time to chat, sharing all the insights that he did. It's always a pleasure to have him on the show. Of course, if you have missed out on anything else that's happening in the tennis world, I know the NTA championships are a bit in the rearview mirror, but there are constant developments week in, week out in the college tennis world. A few weeks ago, Chris Halliores, Matt Stokowiak, and I did a Super Mailbag episode that holds up till now. All of you can go check out. There have been more transfers since. There have been new coaching hires since as well, so perhaps We'll have to bring the three of us together once again for a monthly update. But of course, everything happening in the pro tennis world at the challenger level, at the ATP and WTA level, you can find it all covered on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, like, rate, subscribe, review to this podcast, the Great Shout podcast, the Mini Break podcast, all of our CR shows. You need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Crack Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an editing job they do day in, day out. Shout out as well to our friends at Turner Tennis. Remember, contact sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707 to join the Turner a tennis family today but with that said for our wonderful guests sam riffis our super producers fleeger and westoff our friends at turner from all of us here at both crack rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you've been listening to another edition of the cracked interviews podcast stay safe stay healthy we'll talk to you all soon thanks everyone another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.